0: Albert Einstein, uh, the famous physicist who I'm sure you've all heard of, uh, was apparently once travelling on a pr- uh, train from Princeton. And when the uh, conductor came down the aisle uh, punching the tickets, uh, Einstein reached into his uh, waistcoat pocket and he couldn't find his ticket. Uh, so he reached into his trouser pockets and he still couldn't find... He looked in his briefcase, but he could not find his train ticket. Uh, he looked all around the seat next to him, but it was not there. Uh, the conductor uh, kindly said to him, ''Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought your, t- uh, your ticket. Don't worry about it.'' Uh, the conductor then continued on his way, punching tickets but just before he went to the next carriage, he turned around and saw Einstein on his hands and knees looking under his seat for his ticket. And the conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry, I know who you are. It's no problem, you don't need a ticket. Einstein responded, Young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> Einstein had a problem that he didn't know where he was going. And it's good, isn't it, to know where you're going in life, if you're on a journey of some sort, but in general also uh, to know where your life is heading, uh, what your point for living is, what direction are you going in. Now, sadly, many people do not. Uh, Many people don't have a clue where they're going. They sort of live life day to day, but they don't really know which direction their life is heading. Fortunately, in this passage, uh, Peter helps us to know how we can know where we are going. And he tells us that it all depends on what we think Of Jesus Christ. I understand in the past, uh, perhaps it's still true today, I don't know, but at least in the past, seamen uh, on the ocean would navigate using the stars. Uh, They could find the North Star, Polaris, and in relation to where they were relative to the North Star, they could understand which direction they were traveling in and know which direction they needed to go. And it's much the same Uh, In life with Christ. Uh, We can look to Christ and our response to Christ determines the direction our life is going in. Uh, Last time, as I said, uh, we looked at those who love Christ, those who trust in Christ, who when they see Christ, they are drawn to him and they give their life to him. And we learn how those people have found a strong foundation to build their life upon. And as Peter said, uh, those who trust in Christ will never be put to shame. Uh, If you respond to Christ with love and trust, then you'll never be disappointed. Your future is secure. You know where you are going. But Peter moves on and he describes what happens to those or what it's like for those who reject Christ, who don't respond to Christ with love and trust, but with suspicion and disobedience. Uh, look at the end of verse 7 onwards. i uh, shall read from the beginning of verse 7. Peter says, Therefore to you who believe, Christ is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Uh, In these two short verses, Peter tells us at least three things about those who don't believe in Christ. To those who don't bow to him. uh, To those who don't trust in him. And the first thing he tells us is that they stumble over Christ. They stumble over him. Uh, We saw last time how for believers Christ is a rock to build on. He's a cornerstone. He's a foundation. And they build their life on him. But for unbelievers he is a stone but a stone they stumble over. I don't know if you've ever been walking in the street and stumbled over a curb or or a rock which someone carelessly put there. Uh, But that's what it's like, Peter says, for those who don't believe. Instead of seeing in Christ someone to build their life on, someone to trust, someone who is precious, they see Christ as someone to stumble over. Um, The word translated stumble has the idea of being offended by. Uh, They see Jesus, they listen to the things he says, and instead of being drawn to him, they are offended by him. Uh, They're perhaps disgusted by some of the things he says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And they think, how arrogant. How can a single man say that he is the only way to God? They're offended by him. They're perhaps baffled by him. Uh, They hear some of the things that he says and they don't understand what he means. They don't see how these things can be so. And we read in John chapter 6 of uh, people who, when they heard Jesus saying about how people needed to drink his blood and eat his flesh and they were offended by it. And in John 6 verse 66 it says, many people stopped following him because they were offended by him. They stumbled over him. He wasn't a rock they wanted to build on. He was a rock they stumbled over. And I wonder, is that you uh, this morning? Uh, I don't know everyone here. I don't know everyone watching online. Uh, But perhaps you stumble over Christ. You might think it's a strange question because we're all in a church building, How can we be stumbling over Christ when here we are in church? And many people aren't, in the streets around and in many other places. Surely they're the people who are stumbling over Christ, but not us. But it is possible to appear in church every single week and yet still stumble over Jesus Uh, There are many ways to avoid Christ. And strange as it may seem, one of those ways is through the church or through religion. Uh, Some people uh, stumble over Christ and their conscience is pricked by it. They don't want to give their life to Christ. They don't want to listen to what he says because they stumble over what he says. But to kind of appease their conscience, they come to church to try and make them feel a little bit better about the fact that they are not listening to Christ in other areas of their life. It's a bit like someone who gives money to the RSPCA because they feel guilty for kicking their dog. Uh, They don't stop kicking their dog, but they give to the RSPCA. And many people are like that. Uh, They give their kind of money, as it were, to the church, or they give their time to the church in some small area. Because it appeases their conscience because they will not submit to Christ in other areas. That's the question. Are you offended by the Jesus who we find in the pages of the Bible? Uh, Do you listen to the things Jesus says and you think, I can't believe that. I can't follow that. Uh, That's not for me that's the case then Peter says you're in the category of these people who don't find Christ precious instead you find him a stumbling block and that leads on to the second thing that he describes unbelievers as being Uh, he says that they stumble over Jesus but then he says they are disobedient to Jesus look at verse 8 Uh, He says, Christ to them is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble being disobedient to the word. Uh, The real test about whether Jesus is a stumbling block to you or not uh, is not whether you have an affectionate feeling for Christ. Uh, Many people feel affectionate for Christ. Uh, We've seen that the last month, haven't we? Uh, Many people who... Have no interest in uh, finding out about who Christ is, uh, in or in more detail, or read their Bibles. Will nevertheless, at Christmas time, uh, look with affection at the baby in the manger. Uh, they will enjoy the spirit of Christmas, and they may have an affection for Jesus Christ. But the real test is not whether you have an affection for him, but whether you listen to him, whether you obey him whether you take his words as law in your life. Uh, Many people went to Sunday school as a child and they listened to the songs they sang as a child and they give them a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. But that's not enough. Uh, The question is, do you love Christ enough that you actually are willing to obey him? Does your trust in Christ extend to the point that you're willing to obey him even when that might be hard. Jesus says some quite hard things in the Bible. Uh, He says, if you lust over someone in your heart, then you're in danger of judgment. Uh, He says, those who follow him must take up their cross daily and follow him. And many people say, that's too much. I can't do that. Uh, I can give Christ a little section of my life, perhaps, but not at all. We stumble over him. And Peter says that if that's you, then you are not in the category of those who find Jesus precious, but in the category of those who are offended by him. And Peter explains why that is so serious. Uh, Peter explains why that is such a problem in the third thing he says about those who are unbelievers. Uh, We've seen, he says, they stumble over Christ. We've seen how he says they are disobedient to Christ. But look at the end of verse 8. He says, they stumble, being disobedient to the words to which they also were appointed. (laughs) Now there are some uh, who'd want me to ignore this last part of the verse, uh, because this last part of verse 8 is very controversial. Uh, It's a verse many people argue about because of what it seems to teach. Uh, But the irony is that if I was to ignore it, that would be an example of stumbling over Christ, Uh, Whenever we come to a part of the Bible which we don't understand or which we don't like what it sounds like it's saying, we have an opportunity to either bow to God or stumble over him. Um, Many people would love to take this verse and kind of uh, fudge it, uh, ignore it, uh, gloss over it because of the inconvenient truth that it seems to teach. Uh, it can be very tempting sometimes to try and rescue God from himself. Uh, do you know what I mean? Uh, you come to a verse in the Bible and you say, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't make God sound very nice. <laughs> uh, let's just ignore that one and go to another verse which makes him sound nicer. But that's not treating God as God. Uh, God tells us what he is like. We don't dictate to God. Him, And the fact remains that Peter says what he says. He says, unbelievers stumble, being disobedient to to the word, to which they were also appointed. Peter is saying that those who are unbelievers, those who are offended by Jesus, who stumble over him, were appointed or destined by God to do just that. Peter says that those who reject Christ were destined by God to do just that. And when Peter says this, uh, he's simply being consistent with what Christ himself taught. Uh, In John's Gospel... Jesus said this, speaking to his disciples, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Uh, Jesus says to his disciples, you did not choose me ultimately, but I chose you. Now they did choose him. But Jesus is saying that you would never have chosen me unless I first chose you. And many other parts of the New Testament teach the same, that we cannot choose God unless God is first working in our hearts. Naturally, we're born with a heart which resists God, which turns away from God, which goes our own way and not God's way. And God needs to work in that heart so that we can turn to him. And God works in some people, but he does not work in everyone. God ultimately decides the destiny of each and every person. And the Bible actually is very clear on this point. Uh, The reason there's so much debate about it is because that's a very unattractive truth. Uh, Now, we should say, it's really important to say, that's not all the Bible says. The Bible says more than just that, though it does say that. We're also told that God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. Uh, God is not gleeful when someone who rejects him dies god does not take delight in that Uh, so we need to appreciate that the bible teaches that it's possible for god to choose to do one thing and yet also from another point of view not take delight in that thing does that make sense it's possible for God to choose to do one thing, and yet also, from another point of view, not to take delight in that thing. And that's not that difficult to, uh, to understand, is it, really, when you think about it? Uh, let me ask you a question. And this morning, uh, did you want to get up out of bed? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to get up out of bed, but here I am. So obviously, I did want to, on some level, get out of bed because I'm here this morning. We can have mixed emotions. Uh, We cannot want to do something for one reason and yet want to do that same thing for another reason. And it's the same with God. Let me ask you another question. Did God want Jesus to be crucified on the cross? Just think about that. Did God want Jesus to go to the cross? It's not a simple question to answer, is it? If you say yes, well, that's true, but he was not pleased with the people who nailed him there. He did not take delight in those who, with wicked hands, as the Bible puts it, nailed him to the cross. But on the other hand, we know that it was God's plan that his son would take on himself the sins of the world. i ask a more difficult question did Jesus want to go to the cross? Again, it's not an easy question to simply answer. Um, Yes, he did, because that was the purpose for which he came. But we know that in Gethsemane, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You see, Christ was committed to do something. He chose to do something which nevertheless did not bring delight to his heart. So do you see how there's not a simplistic answer to this question? And so we shouldn't expect a simplistic answer when we think about the purposes of God in this world. It is possible for God being God to choose things which he does not take delight in from another point of view. Uh, Be very careful of not believing something simply because you don't like the thought of it, rather than because the Bible speaks against it. Otherwise, you might find yourself on the wrong side of God's word, and that's never a safe place to be. Humbly listen to what God's word says. Listen to all of what God says, and by God's grace, by his Holy Spirit, try to put those pieces together But understanding at the end of the day, God is God. And you cannot understand all that there is to understand about the God, the creator of the universe. Uh, Does Hamlet complain to Shakespeare that he dies at the end of the play? He can't. Hamlet's the character. Shakespeare is the author. Uh, Do the ugly stepsisters complain that Charles Perrault, who was the author of Cinderella, uh, do they complain that he made them ugly? Uh, Does a pot complain that the potter decided to make it into a potty? Do you see how these things cannot complain because they're in a completely different category? A character cannot complain to the author. A pot cannot complain to the potter and we cannot dictate to God what he should be like. And Peter's point here is very simple. When point Peter describes unbelievers as being appointed to stumble over Christ, he's simply saying that no one can defeat God's purposes. No one can ever thwart God's plan. Even if you spend your whole life rejecting Christ, uh, ignoring his instructions, following your own desires, listening to your own thoughts and following your own dreams for the few but brief years of your life, at the end of the day, you will only have accomplished what God appointed at the beginning. That's what Peter is teaching us. No one can ever defeat God's purposes. He is the author. He is the potter. We are the clay. But it does raise an obvious question, doesn't it? Uh, The obvious question is, well, if that's so, what's the point of anything? (laughs) If God has, like an author, has written the play, has written the story ahead of time, then everything's just kind of pointless. We're just following tracks which God has already laid down. So what's the point of doing anything? Uh, You hear some people say things like, well, if God has chosen me to reject Christ, then there's no point me trying to be a Christian. There's no point me repenting. There's no point me coming to Christ because God's decided it all already. But have you ever noticed that no one ever says it the other way around? I've never, ever, ever heard. I've heard several people say what I've just said. I've never heard anyone say, um, well, perhaps God has chosen me to be a Christian, to be a believer. Therefore, I'd better believe. I'd better repent. No one ever says that. They always just say, well, maybe God's chosen me to be judged. Therefore, what's the point? And the reason for that is quite simple. It's because when people say that, they're simply playing games with God. The truth is they say that because they do not want to bow to Christ. And they use what the Bible says about God as an excuse not to trust in God. It's an excuse not to bend the knee to him because what God has or has not appointed is none of our concern. I don't know who God's chosen. I don't know who God has not chosen. For all I know, everyone living on earth at this moment in time might be chosen of God. I don't know. I have no way of knowing if that's the case or not. None of us do. None of us know the hidden mind of God. What we do know is that God commands all people everywhere to repent. What we do know is Christ says, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what we do know. God gives his invitation out to everyone. God says, come to me. And if you come to me, I'll by no means cast you out. People do not reject Christ because they have no other choice. Uh, they reject him because they love other things better. Because they consider Christ harsh. Because they do not like the things that he says and the things that he commands them to do. And so they stumble over him. People do not reject Christ because they have no other choice. Uh, When we do evil, we don't do it because God makes us do it. We do it because we are jealous, because we are greedy, uh, because we're selfish, because we're proud. Uh, All these evil emotions we have inside are what cause us to do evil. Uh, It's not because God makes us. Uh, The fact that God is able to weave Our pride, our jealousy, our greed, our selfishness into his plan excuses us of nothing. But it says everything about the wonder and the skill of God. The wonder that God is able to take a Pontius Pilate who is cowardly and who gives over Jesus into the hands of those who want to kill him. He's able to take the Pharisees who hate Jesus and are jealous of him and they seek to crucify him. He's able to take the greedy heart of Judas and his desire for money and his disgust of Christ. And God is able to weave all those things to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish despite what everyone else wanted to accomplish. It teaches us about the amazing skill And greatness of God, it excuses us of nothing. So I want to leave you with a question uh, this morning. The question I want to ask is simple. It's what do you think of Jesus? You as an individual sitting here or watching online, what do you personally think of Jesus? When you see him, do you see someone to build your life on, someone to trust, someone who you can willingly commit your life into his hands? Or is he someone you stumble over, uh, someone you reject, someone you say, I could not possibly trust such a king? Because your answer will determine the direction of your life. How you respond to Christ will determine where you are going in life. It's the most important question you can answer. But perhaps you say you don't know. Perhaps you look at your heart and you're just a confused mess of emotions and feelings. And you say, I don't know. I don't know whether I love Christ or i am offended by him. I don't know whether I trust him or not. Well, if that's you... Listen to Christ's own invitation. Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, come to me. There is nothing stopping you. Come with all your anxiety, come with all your doubt, come with all your fears. Come to me. And if you do, I will not cast you out. And you will discover for yourself through experience that Christ is a precious foundation to build on. If you want to come, you can come. As one of the last words of the Bible says, whosoever will, whosoever wants to, can come. So do. Don't hesitate. Don't stumble over Christ, but come to him and you'll discover that it's the best decision that you could possibly have ever made. And if you do trust in him, you'll never be disappointed. Don't stumble over him, but build on him and you'll never regret it. And that's why I've chosen as our last hymn, a hymn which uh, expresses the fact that God is God and we are not, and we cannot possibly understand everything that there is to understand about God. But nevertheless, there is one thing we can understand, that Jesus is a saviour to those who come to him so we're going to stand in closing number 753 i am not skilled to understand what god hath willed what god hath planned i only know at his right hand stands one who is my savior so we'll close by singing 753